Crystal Dawn Morrison was a 31-year-old living in Concord, North Carolina. She was the mother of one and had an introverted but friendly personality. On August 23, 2012, she was dropped off at work by her boyfriend, Matt. An hour later, she felt sick and called a family friend to pick her up. When he arrived, Crystal wasn't there. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. breaking a bit of new ground on Unfound today. We're covering a case that was mentioned on a previous episode. Crystal Morrison's disappearance was first talked about during the Amanda DeGuio show about a month and a half ago. The reason being that the guest for Amanda's case, private investigator Kevin Ryan, has also done some work on Crystal's case. We talked about Crystal's case for only about two minutes on that episode, only as to highlight some of the other cases Kevin has investigated. At the time, I could have never suspected that I'd be giving an entire episode to Crystal's case so quickly. But here we are, and I'm very pleased that I can do so. But going from hardly knowing anything about Crystal's case just a month ago when Kevin mentioned it, to learning most likely everything that is on the public record at this point, and it all happening in such a short time, I mean, I can remember being suspicious of the guy who was supposed to pick Crystal up that day when Kevin and I talked about it. Well, you're going to find out Crystal's ride shouldn't be considered a suspect at all. It just shows me how much we all still don't know about so many cases out there. We read the biographies, the summaries, the theories, but it's not until we start asking probing questions to those people who know that we get the underlying subtext of all of these disappearances. And eventually what we learn about any of these cases is that until they are solved, it's what we don't know that drives all of us. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Goodsight, charlieproject.org. Crystal was dropped off at her employer, Connections Recruiting, at 10.30 a.m. on August 23, 2012, by her boyfriend of a few years, Matt. She had worked at this job for about a year and was an employee in good standing, although she had left sick on a few occasions. Around noon, an hour into her shift, She felt ill and called her boyfriend to come pick her up. He didn't answer, and she didn't leave a message. The next call was to a family friend, Clayton Gold, whom Crystal and her son were living with at the time. Clayton said he could pick her up, no problem, and he would bring Crystal's son, Kyson, along for the ride. They would be there in about 15 minutes. However, when Clayton and Kyson reached Connections Recruiting, Crystal was nowhere to be found, and no one there could attest to where she went. A search of the area yielded no signs of Crystal. A few days later, Crystal was discovered on video surveillance at a convenience store about 10 minutes walking distance from Connections. This recording was from the day of her disappearance. She was alone. She bought a drink, then left. Nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. The timestamp showed that Crystal was at the store after she made the call to Clayton. However, she had not mentioned anything about going down to the store during the phone call. This is the last recorded sighting of Crystal. Crystal's family does not believe she would have left her life willingly as she was a devoted mother. The interview for this episode is with Crystal's sister, 
Michelle Carey. Unfound news. Not a lot going on this week except for what I've said in recent episodes. Work on the website continues. I continue my experimenting with the book arranging program Vellum as I get ready to build the first unfound book. I also spoke with a book cover artist a few days ago. Although I am thinking about creating the cover myself, I still haven't decided on that. And there will be a regular Facebook page created in addition to the Unfound Podcast discussion group so that I can begin to do some advertising there once all of the projects come together. Also, I'll be heading back to Florida next week. It's been great seeing my parents for a whole month. Yet it will be nice to get back into my lab in Madeira Beach where all of these projects I've told you about can come to completion. Thank you all for the support and patience. Where you can find Unfound. On Facebook, the Unfound Podcast Discussion Group. On Twitter, at Unfound Podcast. On Instagram, at Unfound Podcast. On YouTube, the Unfound Podcast channel. You can email the program at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe to Unfound at Podomatic, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can find those apps in your respective app stores. You can also find Unfound on TuneIn Radio. And please mention Unfound at WebSleuths, Reddit, Podcasts We Listen To, and all other true crime websites and forums. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the sister of Crystal Morrison, Michelle Carey. Michelle, welcome to Unfound. Thank you very much. Tell the listeners a little bit about your sister, Crystal. What do you remember? What are the memories that come to your mind when you think of her growing up with her, maybe starting off with, were you her older sister or younger sister? Well, I am her older sister. Um, so by almost exactly five years, um, I was uh, born uh, May 13th of 76, and she came along eight days before my fifth birthday. So um, you know, I had asked for, when my parents told me we were having a baby, I told them I'd rather have a puppy. Um, oh, so, okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, she was, uh, so she came in and, uh, we always joked that we were, uh, we were exact, she was exactly who we needed to complete our family. Um, so, uh, she was the calm child. She was uh, a person who uh, loved to get really deep into relationships, and so she always had um, a few close friends around her um, and, you know, really was able to kind of get herself into any uh, situation in a good way. So uh, I always laugh. Um, So many of my friends uh, consider her a friend. Um, even though there's a five-year age difference. And so you celebrated your birthdays fairly close together then? Yep. So one of the interesting things about my family is uh, my dad was born eight days before Crystal, um, and I was born eight days after. And so we always celebrated it. Her birthday was Cinco de Mayo. It was always a great, um, you know, celebratory time anyway. And so we always celebrated it, um, you know, split all three birthdays on her birthday. That must have been a great time of the year. It was, you know, and uh, and then when our son, Kyson, came along, uh, his birthday is uh, a couple weeks later in May, and so it is. It's always been, between that, Mother's Day, um, it's always been a really, really uh, celebratory time in our family. 
Did you have any other siblings besides Crystal? How big was the family? It's, you know, um, so it was just the four of us. So my mom, my dad, um, and then Crystal and myself. And then our mother passed away uh, from colon cancer when I was 14 and Crystal was nine. Okay. And what are some of the memories, like maybe a family vacation or something? If people were to have known uh, Crystal, what would the, be the maybe the outstanding traits that, that would – what do you think of like a special memory possibly uh, from your childhood? Well, you know, one of our probably best memories was uh, we went to Hawaii uh, when I was in ninth grade and Crystal was in fourth um, as a family. Um, we knew my mom was sick, and so we wanted to make sure that that uh, Christmas time was incredibly special. So we went in December of that year, um, and uh, it was – you know, it was amazing. Crystal really uh, is much more, um, was leading the family in nature things. She really loved to be uh, around animals and things like that. And it was great to see her personality. They each let us pick something to do. Um, and so to see Crystal do that and kind of see her uh, just have such a good time when we knew there was uh, possibly some stressful times coming up uh, yeah. was great. And so you two become young women, and would you say that you two kind of maybe went off in different directions in your lives or similar directions? How did that all go? You know, it's uh, so I would say both. Um, because there was only a family of three once my mother passed away, um, we were a really strong cord that would stretch a really long way. That's always how I talk about it, is that, um, so we were always connected. When you only have one sibling, uh, uh, we were connected. Now, we went in pretty different directions. Uh, I went to college. Crystal would have been around 13 at that point. Um, and uh, obviously, she lived with Dad the next couple of years. And then um, I moved to Boston and then uh, moved back to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, so we would see each other four or five times a year, um, and uh, Crystal uh, went up, uh, got a job uh, up in Charlotte, and then eventually in Concord, um, uh, got married, had our son, um, and so we we were connected, but uh, in the age of social media, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to stay connected with family. That's true, and did she have some difficulties in her life? And she we don't, did. we don't, we yeah. aren't going to, we aren't going to hit this too hard, but we need to un, maybe a little understand a little bit, maybe what was going on in her life and maybe the years and months before she disappeared. Absolutely. So, um, Crystal, uh, you know, she did, uh, one of the, uh, Crystal took, because she was so much more introverted than I'd say even myself, Crystal really took the death of our mother, um, uh, much harder. I think losing your mom at nine years old, um, I'm sure anybody can understand it's a really tough time. Um, so growing up without that mom um, was was tough on her. Uh, she uh, got into a little bit of trouble in high school. She actually ran away from home for a brief stint. Um, and uh, there were definitely some poor decisions made on her part. She had been involved um, in drugs, uh, I would say on and off, but really had... 
um, Dawn kicked the habit officially about a year before she went missing um, and uh, was clean and uh, had really was really focusing on her job, her career. Okay, so let's get into that. Uh, she had a son. What can you tell the listeners about um, her uh, being a mother and her being married and that situation that was going on in the years before she disappeared? So uh, Crystal had married uh, Kevin. Um, they had found out they were pregnant with uh, their son, Kyson. And uh, Crystal and Kevin got married uh, uh, when she was a couple months pregnant with Kyson. Um, just the two of them, uh, no family, uh, really wanted to make sure that they were married before he was born. And so they did that. Um, and then they were together. Um, and Kyson is just the uh, light of our lives. Uh, it was so nice after having a sister. I think my dad really enjoyed the fact that he had a grandson finally. Um, and, uh, and so that was a really amazing time in our family. And uh, Kyson's just the light of our life. Crystal and Kevin did divorce. Um, and uh, she had custody. She had full custody of Kyson. And what was the marriage like? How, how long were they married? And what was, would you say was the decision to get divorced after so many years? Um, so I would say that they, uh, they were married for approximately, um, approximately together and married, you know, sometimes it takes a while for everything to go through, but they were probably married for, um, and together for about three years. Um, and then they realized that they probably rushed into it. And then, uh, they were officially divorced when Kyson was eight years old, seven years old. I'm sorry. Seven years old. And how old is Kyson now? Maybe we should put that on the record right now. How old is Kyson now? Uh, Kyson just turned 12 years old. And how, what kind of relationship did Crystal have with her ex-husband, Kevin, after they got divorced? Was it civil? It was a non-relationship. I mean, so I would not say civil's probably stretching it. I mean, uh, Kevin uh, was behind on child support, et cetera, and about. Um, I, sadly, I think he was the stereotypical uh, father who would come in, uh, be really strong, want to see Kaisen, want to be involved, and that would last for about six weeks, and then she wouldn't hear from him again for 90 days. Um, a great example of that is when they went to get divorced, um, Kevin didn't show up. I mean, he didn't show up for, you know, to, to for anything. So. so she basically got divorced, like, on her own. Yeah. Just sign the paperwork and move on. Yes. But um, what I think is something that the people are going to find out eventually in this disappearance is that Crystal did maintain a, a communication with some other people in, in his family. Who is uh, Clayton and Minnie? So Clayton and Minnie um, were godparents um, to, uh, to Kevin, her uh uh, her ex-husband, they were, so one of the interesting things here, I'll kind of take a side note, is I don't know if they were actually biologically related, if they were like step-grandparents or things like that, just that were in the loop, but uh, Clayton and Minnie were somebody who had been really involved in her husband Kevin's life. 
and uh, they actually they took to Crystal and Kyson um, incredibly, um, and they actually were providing them a place to stay um, while Crystal was working at Connections. And so Clayton and Minnie, they were a bit older. Maybe they were in their 60s, maybe five were, years yeah. in their 60s, five uh-huh. years ago. Okay. And then she had this boyfriend, Matt. How did they meet and what kind of relationship did they have? Um, so how they met, I actually never asked. Um, they had been on and off again for probably four years before uh, Crystal went missing. Um, and it was definitely an on and off again relationship. Uh, many of the times we saw them and interacted, um, uh, that they were fine, you know, so she wouldn't bring them, she would not bring him to family functions unless they were okay. Um, but, uh, definitely would see, um, through talking to her, through direct messages on Facebook, through text messages, um, sometimes they would be together and sometimes they would not. And how long, uh, how often, I should say, how often did you and Crystal talk? Maybe once a week or once a month? Um, I would say that, you know, uh, because of the advent of social media, Crystal was very active on social media, um, and uh, so am I. And so I would say that we interacted, whether uh, talk on the phone was not something we probably did once a month. Um, but we interacted through text messaging and direct messaging and even post on each other's wall a couple times a month. So I would say we interacted about things going on in our families, etc., three times a month. Would you think that if she was having any issues, and I'm not necessarily saying with Matt, I don't mean that, or her ex-husband, but if she had any, you know, let's say a stalker or any threats against her life or any danger, do you think that she, that is something that she would tell you about in the, in your conversations with you? So I'm going to answer that two ways. The first way is, uh, yes, I think she absolutely would tell me if it was serious and she felt like her life was in danger. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that. But if it was anything less than... I feel like my life is in danger. No, um, as I alluded to earlier, Crystal was a um, a pretty big introvert, um, and so uh, you know, just like sisters who live a couple hours apart and have their own lives, um, I think it would be around. Hey, um, nope, everything's going good. Here's Kyson signed up for fall ball. Hey, we're going to meet you. Uh, we always uh, try to meet up uh, at the Lowe's race every year. Uh, up at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and um, so that type of thing. So, um, you know, more planning like that. What are we getting back for birthday? What are you guys doing for Christmas? Are you coming down? So that really is more what our, our conversations would revolve around. Uh, but, again, I feel like if she, especially if she thought Kyson was in trouble and I could help, she would absolutely have told me. And it should be clear that you two did not live in the same state, so it's not like you could go and see each other all the time either. Right. Yep. We lived um, approximately, uh, depending on where it was, about three hours apart. And how often did Crystal at this time, once again, maybe the months and maybe year before she disappeared, how often did she talk to your dad? Her and dad talked several times a week. And um, dad, like most dads, is more of a on-the-phone person. So they would talk several times a week. 
So let's move up to August 23rd. And of course, we're, we're doing this interview on August 22nd. So tomorrow is going to be the five-year anniversary of her disappearance. But what can you tell the listeners about that day, August 23rd, what you have learned about her movements? She gets up that day. How does she get to work? And, you know, what do we, what do we now know as the public about that day? So um, she was working a mid shift at um, at Connections. So um, apparently, her and Matt. Uh, so her and Matt apparently had broken up about uh, six weeks before that. Then they had gotten back together, and so they had been together about three or four weeks back together. And again, um, from what we pieced together, that that was pretty common. Um, then what we would do, uh, then they uh, had an argument that morning. Um, Matt said he needed the car uh, for something. So he actually took her to work um, and he had her cell phone with him. Um, and uh, also had a debit card and went in, uh, her debit card, not a debit card, her debit card. And so, uh, and dropped her off at work. Um, and approximately, I believe she was there about an hour, um, and said she didn't feel well, uh, let her supervisor know, and then called, uh, Clayton, um, and asked to, uh, and asked him to come pick her up. She spoke to Kyson first, um, who would have been eight years old at the time, and, uh, spoke to Kyson first and asked, uh, to speak to Clayton, asked Clayton to come pick her up at Connections. And so Clayton says, I, I guess, yes. He jumps in he the does. car. And does he bring Kyson with him? He does. Okay. And how long is that drive from wherever they were living? And maybe we should make clear that it was uh, Crystal. It was Matt. Yeah. It was Kyson. They were all living with Clayton and Minnie, all, all together, the five of them in one house. They were, yeah. Okay, so um, essentially Crystal was calling somebody that she lived with to come pick her up. Yes. Okay. And so how far is this drive from where they lived to where Crystal worked? It's about 15 minutes. Um, I would say somewhere between 14 and 17, depending on traffic. Clayton shows up, and uh, Crystal is not there. Do you know what he was thinking right at that second? I, you know, we've talked about it since then, and in my conversations with Clayton, um, as an older gentleman, um, he thought maybe he got confused, um, so he drove around, um, according to him, for, let's say, 20 minutes, trying to find her, drove down the road, you know, um, uh, I believe he went inside of Connections just to see, you know, that type of thing, so... And no sign of her, didn't run into anybody who had seen her. Just No, and, and, and Clayton also wasn't very extroverted. So um, uh, I remember besides going into connections and seeing that she was there, um, she, he didn't like um, go and ask if anybody had seen her. He actually wasn't that concerned. Um, his major concern was for Tyson and, and not you know, hey, that's weird. She's not meeting us where she said she was going to. Hey, bud, let's just drive here. Didn't see her. Okay, we'll head back to the house. I'm sure she got a ride or something like that. 
and this was a little bit odd. Maybe her getting out of work maybe wasn't odd, but her needing somebody to pick her up because she was the one who usually had the car. Yes, the car was in her name. It was her car. Um, uh, so, yes, that was definitely odd. So it was kind of unique maybe on this particular day, August 23rd, 2012, that she got dropped off instead of just driving her own car to work. Matt dropped her off. Yeah. Did she try calling Matt to come pick her up? I believe she did um, from the work phone because he had her cell phone with her um, that uh, we were told she did. And uh, she called and left no message. Did she? Are you sure she left a message or did she not leave a message with him? No, left, left no message. Left no message. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. So she tries calling him. He's not around. He doesn't pick up. So her second choice is Clayton. He picks up and he decides to come pick her up, bringing Kyson with him. He gets there. She's not there. Now, when did you find out about... When did you find out that she was... And we're going to get into the convenience store videotape in, in a bit... Is this about the time that you found out on that day that he went to pick her up and she wasn't there? What did you think? So I found out the next day my father had called me. Once Clayton got back to the house and realized that Crystal wasn't there, um, uh, as you can probably tell in our conversation, Tyson is, is really the um, – the focus of so much of our family. Sure. And so Clayton didn't want to get Tyson upset, um, et cetera. But so he left Tyson and was like, okay, we'll figure it out. And then actually went and called my dad. Um, dad, again, uh, because of the relationship uh, with Matt, just said, look, let's, let's figure out what's going on. And then he called me the next morning. So August 24th. Um, which would have been a Friday. Um, he called me that Friday. Uh, I was at work, um, and he uh, just said, I'm not really worried. I'm going to go pick up Tyson for the weekend so they can go look, um, but we're not really worried. Uh, he knew my daughter's birthday was the next day, um, and uh, that uh, that's, kind of, uh, that's kind of what we were doing. So he told me about it. Um, he wasn't incredibly worried, uh, just simply because Crystal was an adult. And um, uh, even though Matt had come back, he was just worried they'd gotten in a bigger fight than maybe anybody knew. And she was taking a day or a couple hours. And I guess, you know, really the in interesting is probably not the right word, but um, I'm sure you've interviewed so many people. Up until this point, if you had asked me, I would have told you adults just don't go missing. <laughs> um, they just yeah. don't. It just that was my that was kind of the world I came from, um, yeah. and and really this world I still live in. I'm always astounded by how many people just you know they can't grasp the concept. So that's kind of where we were. We were in the denial stage. I would just say dad was, I was um, as a as kind of a family at this point. So your first instinct in finding out that. She had called Clayton to come pick her up. He goes to pick her up, and she's not there. Your first inclination was not to think that possibly some harm came to her. Well, it, it, no, it wasn't. And I think part of it, too, is at the end of the day, my father 
um, is still a father, right? And so he very much did what Clayton did to Kyson, <laughs> very much did that to me. I'm sure it's going to be okay. I'm sure it's not a big deal. Um, I just wanted to let you know um, we have planned a birthday party for my daughter for that Saturday. Um, but I'm going to go pick up Tyson. He'll be there. Um, if he says anything weird, just know this is what's going on. But I'm sure it'll be okay. But she's not, of course, found the next day. And like I said, we're it's five years tomorrow. Did you? When did you get the police involved? And when did you and possibly your father, maybe Clayton, others start thinking, well, this is something more than Crystal just going off on her own? for a couple days. What went on in those few days then afterwards? So unbeknownst to me, well, Dad told me, hey, I'm just going to file a missing persons report because we know that she called Clayton. Um, so even while he was soothing me, he was very clear that he was going to do some actions. But again, he would say, hey, we've already called the police and filed a report. Um, and But then literally he would... Um, he would immediately then say, um, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to be fine. I just want you to be in the loop. Um, so that's kind of, that was what I would say. That's really what that Friday and Saturday looked like. Um, you know, and then on Sunday, um, uh, my father only has uh, two biological grandchildren. Um, so he really wanted to make sure that, and we didn't tell our children either. And then on Sunday, um, kind of once, uh, dad took Kyson back to Minnie and Clayton. He was starting school um, because of the time of year it is, just like now, you know. Um, he, uh, we really kind of began in earnest. And then on that Monday, we had uh, meetings with the police, etc. This all was compounded, uh, just so uh, your listeners and you are aware. Um, the Charlotte DNC uh, uh, was happening. Uh, at the same time, I believe it uh, happened the it started like the week after the Monday after. Um, so that created a little bit of difficulty because so many of the Concord police were pulled down to Charlotte uh, for the Democratic National Convention. Right. That This was uh, some unique timing there. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So the, many police working overtime for security down in Charlotte. So that might have put a stress on them trying to do a search or do any investigation of Crystal's disappearance, at least in those few, first few days. Yes. Okay. What was Matt doing this time during those days? Was he taking part? Um, what did he say, you know, that day why he didn't pick up the phone when she called? What was going on with him during those days while you and um, Clayton and your father were trying to put a plan together. Um, so, uh, because of Crystal being dad's youngest daughter and because of, uh, some of the, them breaking up back and forth and that type of thing. And, and just because of my father's values, uh, Matt didn't really get, um, really along with the family very well. So, when um, when Crystal, because Crystal was the connection to Clayton and Minnie, um, they actually uh, asked him to leave, kicked him out um, of the house that night. They took the car back. It was, um, so when he came back, wait, you don't have Crystal? You don't know where she is? No. 
Um, so they actually uh, had him leave the house that evening with the car. So he basically, um, uh, you know, was done with that. Uh, he uh, went and uh, it was interesting. We uh, set a kind of search, um, that type of thing, about a week later um, at Connections. Um, and so uh, we had about 70 people show up. Um, to kind of search and to see what we could do. Uh, Matt had been doing it, uh, according to Matt, um, that he had been roaming and searching uh, the wooded area around Connections, walking that area, etc. We were very, he really was kind of a person of interest in our family. And of course, uh, course. we talked to the police. Sure. I'm sorry? Sure. That's perfectly understandable. Ex-boyfriends, boyfriends, husbands, ex-husbands. They're usually looked at very closely, you know, when women disappear. So that's totally understandable. Sure. And so we really wanted to make sure, because we didn't have the best relationship with Matt, uh, we really wanted to make sure the police understood that uh, very uh, carefully, is that we just couldn't comprehend in our mind how anything, anybody, it could be anybody but him. And uh, I think it is interesting that, you know, it's very possible Crystal disappears on August 23rd. She could have popped up on, let's say, August 27th. But even so, Clayton and Minnie decided even before that was even a possibility that they were kicking Matt out. So even if Crystal had been found, maybe something happened, maybe she went to the hospital and all of you didn't know it, Matt was still going to be kicked out of the house. Yes, because he... Their only connection to Matt, um, uh, and I know you and I have discussed it before, mm-hmm. um, we didn't really have very high feelings to anyone in our family. And I consider Clayton and Minnie part of that extended family. Um, nobody really thought that this was a uh, great relationship. Um, and uh, so that is definitely, um, yep. So they said, hey, look, if Crystal's not here, um, if you don't really know if you have managed to and didn't answer the phone or whatever, we don't want you here. So, when did you find out about this video um, surveillance system at a local convenience store, and uh, how did that all happen? That that they discovered that Crystal was seen at this store down the street. Do you remember when that happened, and how did it happen? So um, they, so even though the police were so involved with the DNC. They did a really good, um, they absolutely assigned us to a detective. Um, and, uh, and we felt like things started working that Monday. Um, so they started pulling the, uh, con- the connections video, uh, looking to see it's an industrial uh, kind of park, um, to see if anybody else had outside cameras. Um, you know, that type of thing. So we actually discovered it that week. Um, it was interesting because they were like, they kept talking about the convenience store and Crystal wasn't um, incredibly athletic. Uh, she had asthma. Uh, she was in work clothes. And the convenience store is about um, a fourth of a mile away. And so they kept talking about it. And I was like, I, I don't understand. Why does that matter? And then they said to me, oh, well, she was seen inside. Um, so it was uh, so it was that week um, uh, once we realized how far she walked, etc. Do you know if it was the police who just happened upon that store, like 
uh, a policeman's driving around and says, hey, there's a convenience store. You know, maybe she walked down there. Or do you think it was like the store owner who found out about Crystal's disappearance and just happened to check his or her videotape? Do you happen to know how that might have happened? I think it actually was both. So I think what happened was as we, you know, we have flyers made. I think we ended up having about 10,000 flyers made. Um, and especially that area we really focused on. Um, and so we, uh, I believe in, uh, it just basically said, hey, if you have any information or whatever, call police. I think maybe the police went down and asked. And he was like, well, we have a camera. You can look at it. I don't believe it was, it was kind of a combination. Like they knew about what was going on, but as far as somebody remembering her, I don't think it was they, them calling. I think it was the police just hitting all the local uh, businesses. Because though it is a fourth of a mile away, which is, I mean, which is tough from a walking standpoint. You know, when they hit the businesses, when the police went out there, they really hit 20, 30 places. What's also interesting about, her being down at this convenience store is that what can you tell the listeners about what was going on on that street by connections that goes down to the convenience store at the time. And even since then, it's not the easiest street to walk. Yes. So there's no sidewalks. Um, there also was construction happening, um, right by the main intersection of the road. Um, so, uh, there was lots of construction going on, uh, that type of thing. Um, and so it wasn't, um, again, in dress shoes, um, in, uh, so walking that in August in, uh, North Carolina, uh, so, and at, at 12, you know, we heard from her last, because we have our last conversation recorded, it was 1241, so we know it was the middle of the day, um, so it was, uh, easily over 80 degrees, she was in full pants and a longer sleeve shirt, um, and, um, and so it, it was a tough walk. It wasn't, um, which is part of the confusion. We, uh, you know, it was a really tough walk. And you have said that she wasn't much of a walker either. Right. That wasn't really something that, you know, I wouldn't talk to Crystal. And so let's say when we were talking on the phone, we, uh, she would be sitting at home. It would, it wasn't like, oh, I just thought I'd call you because I'm on my evening walk. That wasn't her style. Um, and, uh, and so that, that definitely was uh, strange that she would walk at all. And it should be noted, uh, given the kind of job that she had, it was kind of a customer service center that she worked at. Yes, a call center. Yes. All of her calls were recorded. Yes, all the calls in the whole building. So she called from the lobby, and all the calls are recorded. And so we ha you have a recording of her calling, trying to call Matt and him not answering. And then uh, there was also a recording of her calling Clayton to come pick her up. Yes, and Kyson answered the phone. So that's how I know that. Yep, and I know exactly what time, et cetera. Yep. Okay, so it's kind of a unique uh, situation, work uh, environment where people – if they use the company phones, everything is recorded, once again, because it's a call center, and she didn't have her cell phone with her. What did the video – I mean, first of all, have you had a chance to see the video of the convenience I store? I have not seen the video. I have not seen the video. I've, I've heard the call, but I have not seen the video. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing that the police have explained the video to you. What, what does it show? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the police just – Really, when they talked about it, it was more 
um, it showed her uh, by herself um, in her work clothes, in uh, regular clothes, um, not looking stressy about herself a drink, and um, that was it. I mean, it was there was nobody else that was with her or anything like that. Um, I'm sure they looked at the camera outside if there was one, um, but we didn't discuss that. But they really used it as a that hey to establish the fact of how far Crystal got, if that makes sense. So that's really the video for us was hey, we really looked into this. We don't we don't see anything, but we do want you to know that that this was the last time. And that was really where they focused their energies. This was the last time she was seen. Okay, so she brought bought a drink. And there, in preparing for this episode, there was a discrepancy. Everyone should know that I had a pro, uh, uh, the chance to talk to a friend of Crystal's. Her name is Lacey. Not going to use her last name. But I had to clear up between you and her what the video actually showed. There were some people who believed it showed Crystal outside the store. But you are saying that the police have told you it showed Crystal inside the store. Okay. I clarified that with them. Great. Thank you for doing that. And one more thing about that day. Clayton was – it was very clear to Clayton that he was supposed to pick Crystal up at Connections and not down the street, not at the convenience store or anywhere else. He went directly to Connections to pick her up. He did, yes. Okay. And we clarified that as well. Great. What do you think about that? She calls him – and then it seems like maybe possibly right after that, she takes a walk down to this convenience store. Uh, have you ever talked to the police about that? Have you talked to maybe some of Crystal's friends, maybe your dad about that? Anything that comes to mind, does that seem kind of strange to you? It seems incredibly strange. Again, like I said, that wasn't really, um, that wasn't really who she was. And so um, uh, even if, uh, Crystal was a smoker, so even if she was uh, having the cigarette, she just would have walked away from the building. You know, I just, again, it seems incredibly strange to me that she would, um, you know, uh, and, and really in the beginning, you know, everything goes through your mind. So we were thinking, well, did she have a situation where she had to, um, that she fell ill and, you know, got hit by a car. I mean, we really kind of ran the whole game. Was she so sick that that's why she walked or that type of thing? And um, So, yes, incredibly strange. And as I had noted in one of the times that we talked, that determined that if it was a 15-minute drive for Clayton to come pick her up and if it was a 10-minute walk, let's say it's about 10 minutes to walk from Connections down to this convenience store, that would mean it was 10, 20 minutes down to the convenience store and back. And so she kind of would have left Clayton and her son hanging, waiting for her while she's walking back. Yeah. That, also seems, that also seems a little strange to me. It doesn't sound like something Crystal would do. It does not. Um, uh, as I've uh, talked about before, Crystal's, Crystal would tell you her best job she ever had in life was being Tyson's mom. Um, and she was so incredibly focused on um, on being the best mom she could be to Tyson. And um, that was, there There was no relationship that came in comparison to, to her son. Uh, she loves her son very much. And so she would never... In my mind, I think that's probably the strangest thing of all of it. 
she would never want to cause any angst for Kyson. And she loved Clayton. I mean, you know, they were giving her a place to stay. They had been incredibly kind, uh, that type of thing, which is part of the reason, too. And not only just that they uh, cleared Kate Clayton pretty quickly. Right. I, th- I get the idea that she had some, had deep respect for Clayton and what would not want him sitting around there while she was walking back, especially if he didn't know that she was walking down there in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. She, she really, um, you know, Clayton and uh, Kyson both were very, uh, just very important to her. Was this unusual for her to leave work early? Do you know? Um, you know, we talked to uh, her bosses quite a bit, um, and so uh, the uh, the answer was kind of yes and no. It wasn't unusual in the fact that she may say, hey, my work is done, or I've hit my call volume for the day, and I'd like to go. Um, but for her to say, hey, I'm not feeling well, an hour in especially. I mean, this is how she uh, paid her bills, um, so an hour in especially. It was... Um, different but not necessarily they weren't alarmed by it if that makes sense so yes it wasn't something that happened frequently but it also wasn't it didn't seem like that big of a deal and did any other co-workers this would have been roughly around lunchtime i i don't of course know the exact work schedules and shifts at connections but it was noon twelve thirty. maybe some people take a break right out around that time maybe go out catch a cigarette did any of them see her walk away from connections to your knowledge uh, i i know there was a young lady who i believe saw her in the parking lot um and i know the police questioned her uh just to see what she saw or whatever um but i don't have uh the police assuming because it's the only time i've ever dealt with the police into issues like this mm-hmm. um a lot of times they'll give us kind of vague, hey, we're working on this, but not necessarily specifics unless that they feel like it's going to lead to something, if that makes sense. Uh, of course. Of course. They want to protect the integrity of the investigation, and they might be looking at things even five years later that you don't know about, I don't know about, but you know, we're trying to do you know the best we can to get word out there about Crystal's disappearance because somebody you know, could know something. You know, and Absolutely. you know, and let the police know. Maybe they know something and don't realize they know it right at this second. And I will say, what's pretty interesting is the police have done a very good job. Uh, we speak to them fairly frequently, um, I mean, frequently for what's going on. So, um, hey, if we hear anything, um, if anything comes up, uh, obviously we talk a lot more around this time of year. Um, but anything that comes up, anything like that, we actually immediately communicate it with them. It's important to us to um, to let them know what we're hearing even three hours away. And one other important, important point being that construction was being done on that street that Crystal would have had to walk on. To your knowledge, did any of those construction workers, road workers, come forward to say, oh, yeah, Crystal walk right through our work zone on the way to the convenience store. You know, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that I found fascinating was that um, I, I do remember when the police went and questioned 
So when we went to distribute flyers, one of the strange things was that they, um, of everybody we went and talked to, uh, seemed to have the least amount of interest in talking to us, if that makes any sense. So and it just, and I don't mean the police, I mean us. Like if I went out there and handed out a flyer um, and say, hey, they just didn't really seem to want to get involved, uh, which everybody else was incredibly kind from the convenience store, from the other uh, industries around there. Um, so the uh, construction workers were, um, uh, we actually had to go, the police even told us they had to go to the foreman to get, you know, to be able to talk to anybody at all. Um, I don't believe anything came out of that, but that I would definitely say, and you know, everything is strange and suspicious behavior when you're in this uh, kind of nightmare scenario, but right. that was definitely odd. Right. I'm inclined to believe, though, that if one of those construction workers would have seen her, that by this time, at least one of them would have come forward, if just not anonymously. Maybe they uh, they didn't I, have I they didn't have the permission to speak for their company, or they might get in trouble. But I, I think that at least one guy or woman's conscience working on that crew would have found a way to let the police know. Yeah, I saw her walk through here, or I saw her walk back. But that hasn't happened, to your knowledge. That is not. Okay. Let's take a look at some of the people in, in Crystal's life and you know, maybe get a little bit deeper into this and maybe how they reacted to all of this. We had talked about Matt. Does he have an alibi for that day? Did he ever give you or anybody else a reason that he couldn't be reached on the day that Crystal tried to call him to come uh, pick her up and he didn't pick up the phone? What's the story behind that? Uh, so from what I had heard through the police was that Matt said that because they had gotten in a fight, <clears throat> he just didn't want to talk to her. He thought she was continuing the fight. So he didn't want to talk to her. Um, so he didn't answer the phone. He was hanging out with a friend. Um, and uh, so that is, uh, and, and all that again, um, because of my family's kind of personal thoughts about Matt, we... Uh, we never, we have legitimately never discussed uh, any of this with him. Um, so, but through that, that's what I heard. But he did take a lie detector test, didn't he? He did. Um, it took several months for us to, um, uh, for the police to kind of coordinate, et cetera. Uh, but uh, he did take a lie detector test and he passed. And he passed it? Yes. Okay, interesting. And we should also note that being that Crystal got out of work early, is there any way that Matt could have known that Crystal was getting out of work early? The only, and I think you and I have talked about this, the only thing that I could think is that if she called and he saw she called and went up there um, to finish the fight, to do anything like that, but again, I believe the police asked all of those questions. That was the only thing that I could even stretch my mind to think about. Okay, because as we said before, boyfriends, ex-boyfriends, husbands, ex-husbands, they're usually the f first people that the police are going to look at. But the tough part in this particular disappearance is that there's no way to ever connect how Matt would have happened to been, whether near connections or near the convenience store, just coincidentally at the same time that Crystal was getting out of work unexpectedly. 
There's no way to put that all. There's no way to put that all together. However, he did have some rantings on Facebook afterwards, and maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about that and how he overall re- reacted eventually to her disappearing. So, um, uh, when uh, so again, Matt kind of was for all intents and purposes homeless. Um, that type of thing. Um, and he had been in Kyson's life for about half his life at that point. Um, and so, uh, he did not react well. Um, he, uh, very much thought the family should be doing something different. Uh, he wanted to be in charge of everything. He wanted to make sure, um, that, uh, that he couldn't even believe that the police were wasting time looking at him as a suspect. Um, that type of thing. So um, I would say that he didn't react well. Um, he lashed out uh, pretty harshly. Um, both uh, he, because he had Crystal's phone, he signed on as Crystal um, uh, onto her Facebook account um, and, uh, you know, wrote some pretty intense things that, you know, just the normal rantings, I guess I would say, is that you know, the, the family didn't care about her. We weren't involved enough with her, et cetera. Um, and he continued to, um, then he established his own Facebook page and um, I continued those and just really said it was about, uh, Chris only talked to us for financial support, uh, that type of thing. And it was also about him wanting to be with Kyson too to get to see Crystal's son. Yeah, there was a little. There was uh, some of that in there as well. There was, yes. Yeah. So uh, he was very clear that um, that he considered himself Kaisen's father. He definitely was not, um, but that he considered himself Kaisen's father, and that we were keeping him from his son. And he had said something. This was very early on. This might have been maybe ten to twelve days after crystal disappeared in one of these rantings he said that he had information regarding her disappearance has he ever come forward with any of that to your knowledge uh so uh the screenshots i sent you etc also sent the police um uh i believe it was more rantings about uh, I, I think specifically if i can remember and it has been a while um i think it was actually about her ex-husband um who have been cleared fairly early on. Okay, and we're going to talk about him in a second. To your knowledge, where is Matt now? Uh, Matt is in uh, prison. Um, I believe we looked the other day till like 2021 or 2025. So he is in prison now. For for quite a while. And do you know why he is in jail? Um, For uh, selling and distributing drugs. Uh, near a school. Near a school. Yes, sir. You'd mentioned the ex-husband. His name is Kevin. Uh, what is his alibi for the day that Crystal disappeared? Uh, he was living in Charleston, South Carolina, which is approximately five hours away from Stockholm, North Carolina. Um, and he was at work, um, verified by multiple people, um, that type of thing. Five hours away, that can be verified. Would he have had, he has an alibi, but let's just say from from what you would know, is there any reason 
that he would have wanted Crystal to disappear? Could he have gotten somebody to do something to her? Does that even cross your mind as you think about her disappearance? Even in the moments where Kevin really wanted to be involved in Tyson's life, um, no, I just don't really see that. And and the reason why is because Crystal was such a good mother to Tyson. And even in those moments, Kevin didn't want full custody of Tyson. He just wanted to be involved in his life. Um, so it didn't really do, you know, because we did. We looked at the financial motive uh, because he was behind on child support, et cetera. You know, would there have been any benefit to that? And uh, there would not have been. Zero. And even after Crystal disappeared, he did not get custody, even though he was Kyson's father, at least biological father. He did not get custody of Kyson. Who got custody of Kyson? Um, so uh, for the, the first semester of school, um, because school had just started, um, so through that first half of the year, um, he would literally, Kyson lived with Minnie and Clayton, um, and he went to school where he had always gone to school. Um, and then for the, uh, starting that December, my father got, uh, custody of Kyson. And does that continue to this day? That does. Yes. Your father takes care of Kyson. Okay. He does. And where is Kevin now? Uh, Kevin passed away, um, approximately a year ago. A year ago. And uh, do you know how that happened? Uh, I was told it was a drug overdose. Let's move on to another name, and this is going to be a new name to this case. And this kind of kind of goes back into Crystal's path, maybe uh, past a little bit. And the guy's name is Ronnie Pratt. Who is he? How did he know Crystal? And how could he have possibly been involved in her disappearance? Who is he? So Ronnie Pratt, um, according to what I've heard, is a local um, a gentleman who's involved uh, in a lot of uh, drug activity um, and uh, kind of a uh, just overall, just not necessarily the um, the best guy, I guess. Um, and so as far as how they knew each other, I believe they knew each other from when Crystal was involved in drugs. Um, and, uh, and I don't have that as much knowledge about this gentleman. So do you have any knowledge if Crystal had seen him recently? Is it possible that Crystal might've had some kind of relapse or something like that? Uh, did Clayton and Minnie ever see Ronnie come around their place and maybe the, the months before Crystal disappeared, anything like that? So uh, as far as Clayton, Minnie, and Ronnie, um, I can say pretty strongly that's a no, um, simply because uh, not only was that question asked, but also um, they, uh, Crystal didn't do anything, she would do anything to protect Kyson. So really Clayton and Minnie's house was their, his safe place, if that makes any sense. So Crystal was able to be there, be a mom, that type of thing, and so, no, there would be no interaction there. As far as a relapse, you know, um, I don't think anybody who has had a sibling, a loved one, in the throes of addiction 
um, I, I don't ever count that out. You know, I was very aware that Crystal was on methadone and was uh, being treated and that type of thing. It was something we had discussed. Um, so I don't, I don't say that that's, you know, never a possibility. Um, uh, I know that Crystal was a good mom and desperate to get her life on the right track. So um, as far as, as far as that goes, I'm not sure. Um, and but we, you know, we absolutely want to be open to the possibility because it's so important for us to find her. And once again, being of the unique work situation that Crystal was in, with all of her calls being recorded going out, she didn't have her cell phone with her. Matt had her cell phone. If she had called Ronnie and said, "Hey, meet me down at the convenience store," or something like that, there would have been a recording of that. But to your knowledge. That, that kind of call does not exist. Correct. Okay. And Clayton never specifically said anything about a Ronnie Pratt or anything like that as well. No. And Crystal and I had never discussed Ronnie Pratt. That was mm -hmm. only since, you know, that was really, and Lacey is her best friend, and that was really only a Lacey thing. I mean, that was something mm -hmm. that Lacey's brought up, and the police have been very interested in as well. Okay. Uh, but most importantly, given that we can't make any connection between Crystal and Ronnie communicating on that day, maybe she did something the day before, but there's no proof of that. It's hard to understand how Ronnie would have been at the convenience store or on that street. Uh, they just happened to run in each other, unless it was a total coincidence, which I really usually don't buy into in any disappearances. So there's it would have had to have been a total coincidence that Ronnie might have run into Crystal down there. That is correct. Okay, so looks like a good suspect, somewhat of a criminal, maybe has some violent charges against him, we don't know, but it's hard putting him in the same area where Crystal was. Now, we, we do have to be open to the idea, and I think maybe some of the listeners, you know, in listening to this so far, maybe have thought, put this in their own minds as well, is that maybe she got a ride down there with somebody. Instead of being that the construction workers, doesn't sound like they saw them, there seems to be a time issue, her going down and trying to get back before Clayton got there to pick her up. Have any of the co-workers, because those would be the people who would most likely know that she was leaving work early have any co-workers at connections been looked at as a possibility not just of maybe giving her a ride down there but causing her to disappear so i do know that there was a co-worker um that they did look at and actually i would say of the non uh non people we just discussed and i mean the Kevins, the Matts, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, this was a coworker whose name came up that they didn't share with me, um, but that they definitely investigated uh, pretty hard. Um, the problem was is because they didn't have overwhelming evidence, um, because my mind is just pull everybody in and lie, you know, put them on a lie detector, but because they didn't have that, I, but I do know there was a name. They asked for specific things. We kept logs anytime we would do a search or somebody would come out, we would have people sign in, uh, give their email address so we could update them on things, etc. And the police did request those logs every time we did them. So that's what we gave them and that type of thing. And when I asked why, because that's what I do, um, they said it was because they were just kind of investigating coworkers because that seemed 
uh, much like some of the conclusions uh, that we've come to that seemed uh, almost most likely of who would know she was leaving and kind of go from there, especially with her leaving so quickly after getting to work. Right, right. That's that's a very good point. To your knowledge, is it possible that um, Crystal might have been dating a coworker, maybe having an intimate relationship? I guess it would essentially be behind Matt's back at that point. Any proof of that? And maybe even take this out further. Were there any other new people in Crystal's life, maybe some person that she met, anybody like that, to your knowledge? So one of the things that we looked at were that when she, um, I do know that Crystal, when they were broken up, broken up um, I think I talked about it possibly six weeks before, um, that Crystal had set up a Plenty of Fish account, uh, which I guess is an online dating service. Um, and she had met a gentleman, uh, but they did clear him pretty quickly. All right. So she was, even though she had this on and off relationship with Matt, she was looking, it sounds to me like she was looking to move on. Plenty of Fish is a decently popular uh, dating site, uh, much like uh, maybe people know Match.com or a couple others, maybe a little bit more, but Plenty of Fish is a well-known dating site. She's on there meet somebody maybe moving on and maybe she met the wrong guy and that does happen we we have heard about women who have met men through online dating sites and sometimes things don't go so well so we have to keep um i guess our mind open to that but once again nobody has been tracked down nobody hasn't been pinned on anybody yet uh at this point Tomorrow's going to be five years. You know, where do your thoughts lie, Michelle, in, in all of this? Where do you lean, you know, right at this second? You know, I think for me, the biggest place I am is that I I feel like at five years, so obviously somebody knows something. Um uh, and the the best thing we have, the if there is a blessing in this case, it is the fact that we have her recorded phone call of asking Clayton to come pick her up. Um, I was very disturbed, and I get it, people don't know Crystal, but I was very disturbed in the beginning um, and until they had a the recording of the phone call how many people just naturally assume that Crystal had just decided she had enough. Um, I get that's kind of human nature because you can't comprehend it, so you just say that she went, you know, away. So I do feel that people understand now that that's not who she is and that this the recording helps, you know. Um, however, uh, so where I am is that um, uh, that I... I just want closure for my family. I feel like that so many people, um, and I know we've talked about it before, the amount of people who have passed away in that five years, both Minnie and Clayton have uh, sadly passed away. Kevin has passed away. Um, uh, So for me, it's just about wanting someone who knows something to come forward, uh, being open to all the possibilities, you know, that, uh, that, even some of our discussions have helped me look at some things some different ways. 
Um, and just, uh, so that's where I am. I'm, I'm open to any possibility, um, short of my sister deciding just to walk away from her life. Yeah. And that is something you completely reject. 100% completely reject that she would have just said, you know, I'm out of here. Yes. I, I just, that is, you know, I don't, I don't reject, I don't reject much. I don't think it's uh, helpful. Um, and, but I do completely reject that idea. What has this done in the last five years to your family? What has it done? What has it been for you? Uh, and, and of course, we want to ask about Kaisen. What has it been for him? What has it been like for your father? You have a, you had a very tight knit family. You, you mentioned that at the beginning. Just you and Crystal, your mom and your dad. What's it been like? You know, I think it's. Uh... Um, I, I think that's the hardest part of all this. You know, uh, a lot of people talk about how um, uh, death can really uh, destroy or make a family um, weak. Uh, and I think that for as far as my myself and my father, everything is good. Is everything same thing with Tyson, right? Um, I think that that is kind of our little family of three, um, and it's then um and and that is okay but i think there's a lot of people who um extended family etc who um it's been interesting who feel like they should be more involved who feel like oh we should have given matt more of a voice or that type of thing um i think it's hard because i think sometimes if the bonds aren't really strong it's uh it really has uh destroyed that i definitely would say that uh that we've lost uh, larger family members, you know, farther out that uh, uh, over it that just decided that they didn't like the way we were handling it. Um, and so, so I think it's been incredibly tough. Um, uh, I think that we have done every single thing at the end of the day to show Tyson. Um, and that is what we can do um, for the last five years. That is how we have honored Crystal, is to shield Kyson from every single thing we can. And how is he doing at 12 years old? He's amazing. Um, he is uh, He is just, uh, he, he's just great. He is a uh, eighth grader, and he is, uh, just doing great. His grades are good. He's involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. Um, he just went to a golf tournament with dad, a PGA tournament to watch uh, some of his favorite golfers play. Um, he loves the beach, just like Crystal does. And uh, it's just a great kid. And, um, you know, look, it's uh, much like what Crystal went through. It's really hard um, uh, to lose your mom. And uh, and obviously we still uh, were very in touch with Minnie and Clayton. So he's lost his mom, Minnie and Clayton, um, you know, all in the last five years. So he's doing well. Um, we have him in counseling just to make sure that he continues to do well. Where can people go to find more information about your sister's disappearance? We already talked about something that I'm going to handle. Um, from a friend of mine getting a, I don't want to go into it explicitly on here, but I'm going to try to help you get something uh, handled on a particular website. But where else? Do you have a Facebook page? Uh, maybe people can reach you 
where can people find out more about the disappearance of Crystal Morrison? So we have a um, Help Find Crystal Morrison Facebook page that's been taken over by an organization called uh, Q Center for Missing Persons. Um, uh, we have a because uh, I wanted to make sure that they because of some of the uh, people saying, "Oh, well," and look, this isn't my area of expertise. I will totally admit, right? And so um, we let a third party handle that um, uh, through that. But I'm always available online. Um, I'm very, any uh, uh, feedback or anything like that, I pass directly on to the police. I think that uh, uh, we, because we are looking for closure. And so, and uh, my name is Michelle, uh, and then we share the same middle name, so Morrison. Um, and then my last name is Carrie with a C. So. And that's how people can find you. I know that you have a Facebook page, and I will be linking mm-hmm. to that uh, to your Facebook page for Crystal from our discussion group, the Unfound Podcast discussion group. And I'll be sending all those links out to everybody. People, by the time they hear this, will have seen all of those uh, links and pictures of Crystal. And, and hopefully uh, we can make some progress on this because, you know, this reminds me of a case that I covered early on in Unfound with the disappearance of Jason Jolkowski, where he seemed to disappear, you know, into thin air, walking to uh, meet a coworker to go to work. And this is very much it feels like in Crystal's case, it's it's a little bit like she did disappear into thin air. I think, and I think for us that is the um, that's the hardest part, right? It's mm. you know five years, and though we moved some places and we've heard some things and that type of thing, ultimately we don't have answers and. I think everybody looks for closure, and that's kind of where we are. Yeah, and, and I, I'm going to do everything I can. I know the listeners are going to do everything uh, they can to, you know, specifically those listeners in the North Carolina area, the Charlotte area, uh, around that area. Maybe they know something that just hasn't, the police haven't happened upon yet. We'll just have to uh, see. Any last words before we conclude this interview, Michelle? So I think there's a couple. Number one is, first of all, thank you so much. I think that um, uh, it's odd in our personal lives a lot of times, especially I've switched jobs since then. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting in our personal lives that um, people don't want to ask because they're afraid, you know. And so first of all, thank you and thank your listeners for allowing me to talk about my amazing little sister, right? You're welcome. Um, and uh, I, I really appreciate that. And then secondly is just uh, for those uh, for those listeners who are of a religious uh, persuasion, I ask that we, we accept all prayers and good thoughts and for peace, right? And that really is uh, what we're looking for um, for our family, specifically Kyson. We're adults. We can handle adult issues. It's, uh, it's not pleasant. We don't enjoy it, but we can do it. Um, I just would really like to be able to um, to help her son be able to to not have to say to someone as he goes to college, oh, my mom is missing. <clears throat> I think that's important. Right. Get answers for your family and especially Kyson um, so he can you know knew, know who his mother was as he becomes a young man. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Michelle, I deeply appreciate you sharing your stories of your sister, Crystal. 
and I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much. And that was my interview with Michelle Carey, sister of Crystal Morrison. I thank her for appearing. I also need to thank Crystal's friend Lacey, who helped in providing me with more information about Crystal's disappearance. There's quite a bit to process in Crystal Morrison's disappearance. Even though it took place in surroundings she knew on a beautiful day in North Carolina, there is still a lot that we don't know. The boyfriend on the surface looks like a good suspect, but he didn't know Crystal was getting out of work early. And it seems her disappearing only made his life worse, not better. Something he could have probably predicted beforehand. The ex-husbands are always persons of interest when ex-wives go missing. But Kevin was five hours away. And it seems he didn't mind being divorced from Crystal at all. And not all that concerned about child support or anything else. The local drug dealer Pratt, who knew Crystal from her past, also looks like a viable suspect. But how could he have known Crystal was getting out of work early as well? And would Crystal have met and left with him with her knowing that Clayton was on his way to pick her up? And even if Ronnie Pratt did pick Crystal up and do something horrible to her, he had to have known that people would be looking for her in a very short time. Why would he take such a risk? My thoughts still go back to Crystal going down to the convenience store. I'm still convinced she didn't walk down there simply for the fact that I don't think she'd want to take the chance of not getting back in time to meet her son in Clayton. I think the time frame is very tight in that respect. So if she didn't walk down there, then somebody drove her down there, but that person still hasn't come forward. Of course, if she did walk, then it means she wasn't truly ill, and going to the convenience store was for some other reason besides getting a drink. I mean... Who would want to take a 10-minute walk in August North Carolina heat while sick just to get a drink? No one. Yes, there's still a lot we don't know. But I will leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to Podomatic, Stitcher, and or iTunes and give Unfound a five-star review. I thank you for listening. I'm at Denzel. And you've been listening to Unfound. Unfound.